Welcome back to the second part of our metal cast. If you guys didn't listen to last week's episode, you're going to want to be sure and go right back and listen to that right now before you get into this. This is yes. literally the second half of one episode. Yes, go listen. We'll wait. Yeah, we'll it. Welcome back. Okay, Welcome back. so good, yeah, good. Right, so yeah, so the uh, basically we had a really really long podcast. Really enjoyed our guest Justin from AskAMetalhead.com visiting with us, and so we just we just let the podcast run all the way out as long as it was going to be, and just decided to cut it in half. So again, this is the second half of one episode. So if you're listening to this as the first one. Jump back, listen to the previous episode, otherwise you're going to be lost in the woods. <laughs> anyway, so thanks for listening to Geek Life, and I hope you guys enjoy the second half of the Metalcast. Are you ready to rock? Awaken, awaken. <laughs> And welcome back. Now we're going to start talking about awesome metal movies. So the first movie on your list, Justin, is? Well, so actually I was thinking about this. Oh, yeah. And I thought I wanted it to be more organic. Okay. But even saying that makes it sound like I planned it. But just as we were coming back, before we had started, I wrote down two movies that aren't on my list because they're not metal movies, but they're movies that were where I had aha moments as a listener, as a music listener. The very first movie that I ever remember there being any music that was metal was a movie called River's Edge, which is, um, I don't know how old it is. It might be late 80s, early 90s, but it's Keanu Reeves, Crispin Glover. um, And it's about an actual, like a true story that happened in Fremont. I think it's Fremont, California, where there's a murder. Somebody kills one of them. Like student kills his, his girlfriend and, they all go to you know look at the body and they're all metalheads and oh yeah the, and Crispin Glover is this sort of like spastic guy and he's got this Volkswagen bug and you know they're kind of I think they're potheads or whatever but they played a Slayer song they actually played Chemical Warfare from Slayer which to have that you're watching the movie and you're kind of like okay cool boom and then boom Chemical Warfare comes on it's immediate you know you and then you're like you're like holy shit that's in a movie right yeah exactly. Another one is uh, Zombieland, right? So the intro to Zombieland. No. I'm sitting. <laughs> oh, I'm right. in the theater. I'm sitting in the theater, and I'm like, all of a sudden, it's Metallica, and I'm like, this is the best fucking movie ever. <laughs> yes, you know, and it's actually, you know, it's the, it's the like, it's the stripper in slow mo <laughs> with her tassels, and I'm like, this is so awesome. <laughs> that was oh a very God. metal moment. In oh that yeah, movie, totally. no question. Nice. Um, the other one that pops up, and we'll get to the list, is uh, Ace Ventura, right? So oh, God, Ace yes. breaks. He's like going through this club. And it's Cannibal Corpse, who's like really, really, <laughs> oh, they're like a godfather that, yeah. of death metal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of their albums are like, you know, eating yourself back to life and things like that. These crazy lyrics and crazy, it's all about death and all this stuff. So those were great. And it turns out that the reason why that song and the band actually, it's not just a song, but the band is playing in the, like they they have camera time. was because nice. Jim Carrey likes death metal. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's awesome. So you can imagine, you know, as we mentioned, I have a podcast, which is me and my kids. And I have a 13 year old and he loves Jim Carrey. And when he found out that Jim Carrey, like he gets on, like he was telling me about some movie that Jim was in. And I said, um, well, why don't you go look on Wikipedia? Because he always asks me stuff, and I'm like, I, I don't know the answer to that. And he comes back, Dad, Dad, oh my God, oh, you and I, he, he loves death metal. Like now, his that's his favorite. So everything, you know, everything is. You, know, you think Jim Carrey likes you know Slayer? I'm sure he does. <laughs> that's awesome. for me. It was The Crow because the there's crow, that sequence right? where oh, yeah. they're in yeah, the club so and Pantera's good. playing while like they're having a big 
gun battle going on just oh, above that it. Was, um, no, it was. I don't uh, think it was Pantera. No, it was, that's right. It wasn't Pantera. Uh, my was, life with the Thrill Kill Cult. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. That was a good one. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, that was another movie that was heavily. There was. It was. I think more. Definitely, there was a lot of metal quality, stuff but, in yeah. it. And then you have like Nightmare on Elm Street, which was Dawkins, and, and like they. Mm. There are movies out there that have soundtracks that have metal in them, which Maximum is Maximum nice. Overdrive. Well, the end of the Matrix. Was Rage Against the Machine, which is arguably metal, but I think it's metal. It's crossovers, but you know, sure, I have Rage sure. on my yeah. iPod, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, you know, I, I don't really have a top ten. I just have a list of movies. Yeah, that, so we'll just kind of yeah, go through. Yeah, I mean, this so, is in no particular order. I think without even mentioning it, the first movie that pops into everybody's head is This Is Spinal Tap. Yeah, right. So, sure, yes, sure. You know, you know that goes into the whole like parody of metalheads, complete, the bad representation. Yeah. But it makes it so much fun. Right. That it was still a great movie. Yeah, it could have been. And you know, and they did it again later with The Mighty Wind, which was a folk movie. Or it was oh, a yeah, movie yeah, about yeah. folk, which, you know, I actually laughed at much more than I laughed at. But <laughs> so I'm a drummer and here you are blowing up drummers in the movie and I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> you know, we're, we're not really that stupid, but okay. Actually we make fun about it. so there's a musician's joke, it's you know, how many musicians are in this band? Four of us and the drummer. Ooh, right? You know? It's always like, oh, it's brutal. okay. Except for I'm 280 pounds and I bang on things for a living. So imagine what paradiddles I can do on your face. Well, there's all those uh, infograms online about how, how many uh, women band members come away with at the end of the day. The drummer always gets himself. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I guess. I yeah, I thought I, th- I thought the bassist was at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, no, I'm a bass are. player, and yeah, I don't even get invited to the shows I'm playing at. They oh, just, wonderful! They just figure that I was going to be there anyway. <laughs> and the bass and the drums are really the most yeah. important part. Of the rhythm know, section. You t- if you take that out, does the song falls the hell apart? I mean, okay. Case in point: if you are a musician and you go on like Craigslist or Bandmix or Bandcamp or whatever these other you know to find other musicians. Guitarists are a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. Bassists and drummers are hard to find. I have never Let auditioned. Good ones. I have never auditioned for a band where I wasn't offered the job like <laughs> on the spot, even after being rusty. So anyway, it's a hilarious movie. It's definitely a parody. It's got some of the best lines ever written for a movie, and some of the best scenes. They're hilarious. But I mean, and so it's a. I, I think it's. It, you know, you could say yeah, it's a metal movie because it's obvious that it, that it's a metal movie. Wayne's World is another great. Oh, yeah. Yes, you know, yes, sort of. It's one of the first know. things that came to mind. I was yeah. like, that we're going to talk about Wayne's World. Yeah, be, Wayne's on, World is there. another. You know, but the thing I love about Wayne's World is it's it's actually I don't feel bad about that movie being about metal, right? <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. So Wayne's World is another great one. We I think there's a couple of us we talked about Detroit Rock City. Yes. Yeah. So yes. Detroit Rock City is. Like late seventies, the particular main character, his mother's this very stout, restrictive, you know, she's very religious and, you know, he's like hiding his kiss records in her Neil Diamond sleeves and stuff like that. And <laughs> so she, good. She finds them and she's like, you know, what is this? The work of the devil and him and his friends. I think if I remember correctly, cause it's been a while since I've seen the movie, but they win tickets to go oh, yeah, see, they win it on the radio and something happens. They, they're not, the, they're not no, old they enough. They buy their or, tickets and then uh, mom finds out and burns them. Right. Mom burns oh, the tickets shit. Right? Yeah. in front of them. But they decide to go anyway. And it's just, it's like a, the road trip to the show. And it's very sort of like, it's from their perspective. And, you know, back in the day, it was like, it was kind of like the nerds versus the jocks, but it was the metal heads versus like, you know, the disco dudes that were like, you yeah. know, the big giant lapels. And uh, so there's very funny sort of plays off of that. And, nice. Um, 
but you know, sort of in the end, like it, it all works out and they get to see kiss. And that's a movie that I really liked because, yeah. you know, it didn't show them as is just meathead. Band, well, you know? I mean, it shows them as like real human beings. They're not, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah they're not. Just, and it was, it was actually very pro metal, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Not that kisses. Uh, we could but argue about kisses, Yeah. We could argue about kisses metalness, but back in the day, kiss was far more metal than sure. Diana Ross. Right. <laughs> um, I don't know, much. man. <laughs> she lived hard. Though, you know, Gene, <laughs> Gene Simmons. Survive. Yeah. Yeah. Gene Simmons hair, arguably almost a, a full fro. Sure. So, um, but uh, yeah, I, and it's funny cause I was, I loved the makeup of them and I had kiss posters in my room. Sure. Much to the chagrin of my like stepmom's sister who hated it. But, um, I never listened to kiss and I never, never really liked them. So, Got a lot of arguments in, in high school about that. Well, they're a, That's bit, hilarious. they're a bit more. They're like, if they are metal, they are like pop metal. Well, they're, yeah. I they're mean, a gateway they're, drug. They were, yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, this isn't the Kiss show. <laughs> All right. So, 2009 or 2010, and I'm horrible with these minute details, but um, Anvil, the story of Anvil came out, right? Yeah. I've been and, recommended um, that yes. one a couple of times. So, Anvil is the story of these two guys. That uh, it's his band is, is called Anvil, and it's funny because there's a and I'll get to it because I'm great at telling these long winded stories that you can cut up or whatever. Um, well, don't worry, I'm a guy who makes the short stories long, the long stories longer. They're used to there it. By yeah, yes, very. So Anvil is the story of the this band Anvil, and it kind of starts off with like you have these incredible heavyweights of metal talking about these guys were my influence. He's like these Canadian metal band. And they're like the whole premise of this, of this is this is the band that never made it, but should have. Okay. And so I'm going to start off right now by saying as a musician, as somebody who believes that there is a like, you know, do you have enough skill? Do you know they're skilled musicians? I don't like any, like there's no anvil song that I actually have found and listened to that. I like, so I don't consider them to be a very good band. But when you have, you know, Lars Ulrich from Metallica and dudes from Slayer and all these other bands of the day, like the heavyweights of thrash saying, yeah, I was influenced by Anvil and I had never heard of them, frankly, but yeah. I'm kind of, a, I don't know. I don't want to call myself an elitist, but you have bands that you love. For example, I think that if you put a make a Megadeth fan and a Metallica fan at a table, <laughs> you would have two completely different polarizing views of those two bands. Cause I sure. think much like you're either Coke or Pepsi or your <laughs> Xbox or Sony PS3 or whatever. I think you're either Megadeth or you're Metallica. Um, and there's some of us who are musicians that sort of ride the fence depending on what, mm. you know, what area you're talking about. But right, anyway, right. so Megadeth Anvil, <laughs> Metallica. it's this, you know, the lead uh, singer's name is, universal Dio is universal. He's, yes. he's a God. Um, anyway, so it really is the story of these guys tr- going on tour. I mean, one of them works at like a nursing home, right? So he delivers food to nursing homes and stuff like that. And the other guy, I'm not sure what the drummer did, but he's a really good drummer, by the way. So it's really this just heartbreaking. It was heart wrenching and heartbreaking for me to watch it as a musician who has paid to play and who has had our shows cut off short and has had, and not because we were bad, but just that's the way things go. I mean, I've played shows where we sold the show out. We did my band and we were cut short because the promoter's buddy was in the second band and they wanted 15 extra minutes. And so, you know, and it happens all the time and you're sort of like, what the fuck? And your fans are like, what the hell? I've been there. And it's sort of, there are moments in the movie that are very almost spinal tappy. Like they get lost on the way to shows and, you know, (laughs) but then there's moments where you're like, holy crap, this is, this is really happening. For example, they play in this club in you know, some European city. 
they play in the club and it's like half full and you know, they literally have to threaten the club promoter with violence because he's not going to pay them. So, I mean, you know, it's crazy, wow. you know? Yeah. And so or seeing this, these musicians who are really very talented though, again, like I said, you know, their music doesn't really turn me on, but playing to like nobody, five people. Dude, I've been there, man. Oh, I've driven down yeah. to Oakland and the people in the, like the, the only people in the crowd were the other bands and my dad. Right. Ooh, you know, and then yeah, you're just right. like, Oh, but who cares? Cause really that's the other thing about metal. Nobody else writes our songs for us. We write them for ourselves. And I don't know necessarily that there's any hope of ever getting huge because the industry just can't support all of these bubblegum bands. But so you do it cause you love it. And right. You do, absolutely. You know, so, so Anvil, the story, it's a heartbreaking, wonderful, sad, and you, know, they got some popularity afterwards, afterwards which was great. Yeah. And, you know, but still I think their accolades come, I think from the people that they influenced. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely. and that's really, you know, I think that's good enough, but it's, it's a good movie. There's another movie. It's a documentary called heavy metal in Baghdad. And it's actually, this one sounds really interesting. It's really yeah. good. And I, I actually saw this a while back. Um, and so details are, are, you know, I can't remember exact details, but to play any style of Western music in Iraq is against the law. It's, it's forbidden. Right? It's, yeah. yeah. There is no walking around in your Metallica shirt. And these guys, you know, they do, they wear, they, you know, so what they do is there's this underground metal scene in Baghdad. And this, it's kind of the story of this one band, which is literally like a guitarist, a drummer, and a bassist. My memory of it is they sort of are shuffling around and moving and playing shows. And there's fans. There's tons of fans. Like, you'd be surprised. And they're not even that really that good because they don't have, I mean, you know, there's no grooming for them, right? I mean, everything they get is bootleg and there's no, you, Secondhand, like, you just can't just go down. Right. Yeah. You can't yeah. go down to Rasputin or tower or whatever. And who even just knows if epic you, selection. Yeah. There's right. nothing there. Like, so they're getting stuff online or whatever, but for them to come out and be metal fans and actually, you know, they have them obviously playing shows and stuff like that, but it's, it's life threatening for them almost. And so like almost, I think at one point, one of the guys, like his father is going to like disown him because he wants to do this or something like that. So it's a great movie. It's, for me, that's the grassroots of what, you know, sort of metal is yeah. about. And so, but at the same time, you're like, oh shit, are they going to, somebody going to shoot them? Or, you know, I don't yeah. know if it's that dramatic. It's a full on documentary about these yeah, guys. Yeah. Full on documentary. And so really great movie. I think there was a couple more around the same time that came out about like the punk movement in the Middle East and just like really random pop-ups of really hardcore music in these really restrictive areas. Well, I think the restrictive environment is what propagates Oh yeah, the, the style of music. Oh, yeah. I mean, metal and punk. As much as I don't really care for punk, but you can't deny that they tend to swell up. The stronger the resistance to them is, the more fiercely they. Well, absolutely, you know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, well, so one of the other movies it falls in line with kind of what we're talking about. It's kind of low on my list, but it's called Until the Light Takes Us. So this okay. is Norwegian death metal, and it's a story about sort of why you have these incredibly extreme types of music, but they don't just play the music and sing about burning churches. Like they go burn down churches. <laughs> and Whoa. yeah, yeah. They're like, they, you intense, know, and you, and, and you interview and like even the inner, the people who are interviewing these guys are almost like, they're sort of scared of the guys that they're interviewing. And then there's like one guy that he said something on stage at one point, I'm going to murder somebody and eat, you know, drink out of their skull and like, did uh, and went whoa, to prison for it. And it was one of his band members. Like, yeah, like, I, so you have this incredibly oppressive, super Catholic country and you've got these guys that grow up and they're just like, I don't believe this stuff. And you know, there's no, it's like not having a home because everywhere you go, you're never, you never fit in. You never feel like you're there. And so their environment sort of breeds them to 
rebel in a certain way and this is how they rebel they rebel through music and this very sort of extreme I mean, it sounds like way more extreme than what we see stateside for the most uh, part yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean there's got to be pockets of that in some capacity there's but. yeah there are it's all that Viking blood in, the, in their yeah, system yeah. is what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course, and, and honestly, you know, it, in Europe, metal is way, way bigger. I mean, you have all of these huge festivals that are like, I, I would love to go. Like in Germany, they have the, I think it's called the Outdoor or Wacken. Or it's spelled W A C K E N. It's like this huge, massive. I don't like. It's the top of the level bands. I mean, everybody goes to play this show. So you see bands that you haven't seen in the states in ten years, and it's like yeah. they go every year yeah, to play that's this. Awesome, because there's fifty thousand people there all the time, every day, all day, all night. But in the United States, these bands are playing clubs. It's almost like we don't even nurture our own as well as we should. That's too bad. Some of my favorite bands never come to the Bay Area, and you know, if you know anything about metal. San Francisco was the birth of thrash. I mean, that's where thrash came from. That's where Exodus and Metallica started in LA, but they didn't get really anywhere until they came to San Francisco. They were kind of kicked out of, out of LA really sort of because LA was all about poison and Molly crew and sort of that type of, you know, the hair bands. Right. And so, right. As I call it, butt rock. But rock, uh, right. which is mer- yeah, boy, it has its merits. That's, you know. that's what I have to say about that. Well, grunge killed metal, but you know, you can't technically not everybody, kill the metal. not everybody. <laughs> metal will you never kill metal, it. Yeah, but, we're always there. But it we just we, we're just getting old. That's all. <laughs> um, so anyway, that that movie is it's really more of an interesting look at this small, very small sort of sect of metal. Right. But it's definitely worth looking into. And again, you know, like there's no Hollywood movies that. Really, do ever. metal right? Yeah, really. I mean, there I mean, are a few that come close. Um, I think the one you got, uh, Rockstar, Rockstar yeah. right, with Mark Wahlberg, who I'm not really necessarily sure was the right guy to play <laughs> Mark Wahlberg, nor do I really even know if he was the right guy to play Bang. Max Payne. Oh, uh, yeah, no, that was which, that was not, yeah, a good which was a horrible movie, but a great video game. The first one was brilliant. I remember playing that game and just like bullet time, <laughs> so awesome, taking screenshots all the time. It was oh. so dark. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, so I good. guess they wanted an authentic musician, and he was Marky Mark, you know? Yeah, yeah. Shit. I mean, actually, a lot of the musicians that were the, in the band, that the Steel Dragon, you had Zach Wilde from Those Black Label Society yeah. and you know, Ozzy. Anyway, so this movie was one of those movies where I watched it, and I was kind of like, yeah, that's kind of cool. But then as, you know, as I was... I find out that it's actually based loosely on a true story. Really? Yeah. So there's a guy... I had to write his name down. Because I hadn't heard of it before. But there's a guy named Ripper Jones. That's his nickname is Ripper Jones. He took his nickname from the Judas Priest song. Okay. He's a, I don't know, he's like a, he's sort of a blue collar worker. Like, yeah, he's like a shoe salesman or he worked at a hardware store or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he was in a cover band on the side. He did Judas Priest cover songs. And so Rob Halford. Really well, apparently. Really well. Rob Halford leaves the band and this guy auditions. They find him online, YouTube or something like that. Actually, this is Years ago, something if no, YouTube there. existed, but they found him through some medium. Like the, maybe the mm-hmm. cover band had CDs or had discs or something. I don't know. Right. I don't know all of the details, and I couldn't really find a lot on it because it's sort of it's happened in the past. But they auditioned him, and he records two full albums with them, and so like goes on tour and that's, plays with Priest, awesome. right? Yeah. And so that's really the the basis of you know to a certain degree the basis of the movie. Now there are there is some controversy because apparently Priest 
sort of disavowed the movie when they couldn't get creative control of some of the things. But okay. if you look at sort of the story, it's very black and white that it, oh, yeah, yeah, this is that, pretty close. It's there were some things that feed any of the story. Yeah. I mean, it was a full year. Rob had been out of the band for a full year before they brought anybody else in. And in the movie, it's sort of like they bring him up on stage and then he's the guy. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's obviously artistic license. In that sure. Movie, sure. But, but that made me respect the movie a lot more. And, you know, it wasn't horrible. It was definitely average middle of the road metal. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was entertaining. I yeah, was yeah. never sorry that I saw it. Right. At the end of the movie, he's sort of long hair playing in Seattle, playing acoustic. You're sort of right. like, oh, you went to the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> you can't be heavy metal dude and Kurt Cobain yeah. in the same movie. Metal yeah. doesn't die. It just turns to the blues. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's, that's technically where it, where it came from anyway. Oh, it just yeah. goes back to its roots. Oh, yeah. All, oh, all yeah. it goes back to blues. Yeah, it's pretty fine. much everything. Pretty much, yeah. Except for maybe dubstep, and don't even get me started on that. <laughs> Dubstep's going to return to the shit that it started from. Oh let's God. let's not start this this dark, dark conversation. It will, it will jump. It will jump machine. the shark when they start mixing dubstep with country, and then that will kill it yeah. for everybody, and then we'll be done with it. Yeah, so you'll you'll appreciate this if you're now. not a huge dubstep fan. Before I'd ever heard of dubstep, my friend Andrew, who's a serious music file, like he's knows everything about all the different bands. He's all over the new stuff, all over independent stuff. All he's like. All, I mean, like I get a lot of really interesting music shown to me by him. And so we're talking, he's like complaining about dubstep and I had no idea what it was. And he's like, well, it basically sounds like Transformers just having rough sex. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm not sure if I can understand. So sure enough, he pulls up some Skrillex and I'm like, yep, that's about exactly yeah. what it sounds like. Yeah. We need mm-hmm. more energon. <laughs> this is, oh God. Uh, this is I seriously uh, want to create Humblebee. What are you doing? <laughs> it's Humblebee's joystick. He can rub it as fast as he wants. <laughs> See, <laughs> I just want to make a dubstep right? album just because of that. You know, it would be hilarious to make a dubstep album called Rough, Trans- Rough Transformer Sex, and then have just a bunch of in, like a bunch of crazy Transformer sound bites inserted in there. And- can you imagine the music videos? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. What would yes. be even you could make them. It, yeah, I could. If it did well, I wouldn't. <laughs> Probably would do really well. Huge. Anyway. Okay. So what's the next movie you got on your list? Um, Okay. So Decline of the Western Civilization to the Metal Years was a documentary. This one came up on a bunch of lists when I was looking this up. This this is actually, you know, I remember seeing this mid-teens, late-teens. I don't remember exactly when it came out, but this movie really resonated with me because, again, it was more L.A., more Sunset Strip, a lot of the, you know, like the bands are heavily covered in this, like Wasp and like, I think there was a little bit of Poison, there was a little bit of Motley Crue and there was a little bit of um, like Rat and stuff like that. But some of the most memorable moments from this movie are some of the worst stereotypes that you just cringe to watch. (laughs) It's the alcohol, the drugs and sort of like the pre making it desperation of being a musician back in that day. And the, you know, the me too, me too, you know, and it really, it tells kind of an interesting story about just really that era of music in that one spot. So it sounds like place. it's kind of like a really an honest picture of it. It is. Place. And yeah. you know, almost, yeah. And so, I mean, again, you know, if you have any level of integrity about what the music is and, you know, what happens to musicians in general, even, I mean, again, metal maybe exacerbates this a little bit, but it was, I mean, it's still a great movie and, but yeah, you watch it and you're just like, Oh man, that's one of my heroes. And you're watching him in a pool drinking, you know, guzzling vodka as fast as he can in front of his mother. And you're like, Oh man, this is bad. This is all kinds of bad. So um, I remember watching, uh, the first one, the, the punk one. And Cause Joe grew up as a huge punk fan. Yeah. I was doing a lot of punk 
back in the like that's what you do you don't listen to punk you do punk yeah early mid 90s <laughs> but um god the first wasn't it like all in black and white and there's like no commentary of it it was just a lot of footage of the bands this one yeah there was a lot of color and i don't remember necessarily being a lot of black and white but i do remember but there was there, no like commentary no one like no, going there, around interviewing there was there was, was a little there? bit of that it must yeah. have been yeah. different it might have been the first one. Yeah, that yeah. Was like, the punk one I never saw. So wow. it's been a while since I've seen. It. And interestingly enough, if I remember right, there were snippets of this movie that dealt with the PMRC, which was the Parents Music Resource Center that came out right around the time that labeling went on. You know, oh, no. and it was heavily yeah, there was right. discussion about you know it was one kid that listened to Ozzy and committed suicide because of the song Suicide Silence, which is obviously an it's obviously an anti-suicide song, but this kid, you know, I don't know, played it backwards and thought it was about suicide. Judas Priest is put on the stand. All of these bands, they were kind of made sort of, you know, this is a big witch hunt. Yeah, yeah. A big witch hunt. And then D Snyder of all people, right from twisted sister gets up in front of this Senate committee, the Senate hearing in front of the PMRC. And he, they weren't, they just had, they didn't see him coming because he <laughs> spoke with, you know, he was articulate and he was right. And he was adamant about the position. And I really think he was the guy that turned the tide for this whole position. And, you know, then you have two life crew comes out very similar sort of situation. But again, you know, we are articulate people. We aren't just sort of, I don't know. There's this vision. Have you ever seen Brutal Legend, the, the yes. video game Brutal yes, Legend, yes. right? So you've got Jack Black's character who's obviously compassionate and funny and you know he's a full, fully whole realized person. And then you have the headbangers that just kind of follow around and hit right. stuff with their head. Yeah. Like those aren't, we're not all like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not, you know, I don't know. I'm not, I'm sure I didn't come on here to like defend us or anything like that. But you know, in the movies, you're sort of, you're always the dude, yeah, you're we're going to get some punk. You yeah, know? you're fed the very exaggerated version. Right, right. Yeah. So. Just, side note, the, ad, the admin actually worked on Brutal Legend. Yeah, she was, <gasps> one, she was really? one of the original testers for it. Yeah, I wasn't nice. in any like official capacity, but I was. that was my first job out of college. So I was cool. actually testing that game down at EA. Yeah, so. and then, of course, she's telling us all about it. We're all excited. We pre it. We get it home. You know what? And then, like, two hours into the game, the game's like, oh, wait, no, I'm not what it looks like. I'm actually a real-time strategy game. You know what's, what? What's no. happening you know here? What? Don't even, you know. We call it a stealth real-time strategy, <laughs> as in right, you go you along playing the game, and then it, like, rips its mask off, and it's like, blah, I'm not what you thought I was. You know what? If you took the time to play the game, and I... No, it's like, good. No, it's 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 good in what it in what it did. I just it, it knocked me off my seat when it totally changed. Tim Schafer is infallible. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I I enjoyed the game. I didn't finish it. My son, God, he played that game incessantly. He loved it. Yeah, and actually. When it came out on PC on Steam, there was this huge TF2 tie-in for hats, and of course you have. Yep. I mean, God, I have so many. I have two backpack extenders, and I'm just done. I'm not actually, honestly, I'm idling a couple of characters just for the goddamn robotic crates. But I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> I'm a gamer too, so. But yeah, he he loved that game. Good. So, and we like, and I think Jack Black is great. So you wrote down Pick of Destiny, yes, which I actually. This movie's hilarious to me. Yeah, yeah, and very, it very it, it rides that the fence. Hilarious to everyone. Those yeah. two guys. I mean, God. yeah, they're the metalist folk band. They're, yeah, <laughs> and they really are. They really are. They, they have the heart of metal, I think, and they have incredible metal street cred. Yeah, for being two guys that play acoustic guitar. Well, because because they wrote like like Dio's coattails and a number of others. Oh like, yeah, they, they, hell, they were in. Uh, there was a video where they were singing remix lyrics to heaven and hell about passing the bong and you know oh i hadn't seen that and and then dia walks up to him and is like guys this is for you 
if you play some Tenacious D. And then he tosses a coin in a little <laughs> guitar case and then starts singing you know, his song. But nice. nice. <laughs> it, was, it was badass. Which leads me to a movie that I completely forgot about until just now. School of Rock. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Of it's course. one of the best. I mean, it's one of the best. And I don't know. It's School of Rock, not School of Metal. But I mean, yeah, oh yeah. you could. I think you could argue that ACDC is definitely one of the. It's transferable for sure. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I consider that. In the cliff notes of the movie, which is really the commentary, Jack Black talks about begging Led Zeppelin for Immigrant Song, which is one of my favorite songs. Yeah, I course. love Immigrant Song. And I love the flash animation of Immigrant Song, which is kittens dressed as Vikings going across a lake. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that. It's awesome, right? Nice. I love Immigrant Song. They begged Led Zeppelin, who from his commentary, they had never released a Led Zeppelin song for any movie and they gave it to Jack Black. Nice. But there's a scene where he's driving really fast in his van to get from one place to another to towards the end of the movie or whatever, and, or he's going to a battle of the bands or something like that. Mm-hmm. And there's, they play one of the Metallica did a cover of a, I think it's, the, it's either the Prince or I can't, I don't know the exact name of the song, but it's on like garage days. We revisit it. It's one of my favorite Metallica songs that, cause it was well, a cover, but that was really cool to hear that. Sure, right. Sure, so yeah. there is, you know, and Metallica pre black album was a thrash band. And then after the black album, they were a pretty damn good hard rock band mm. who have sort of, sort of started to come back into their own. Again, I think you're definitely kind of been all over the place. We, we don't get yeah. anger though. Uh, <laughs> you should, you shouldn't terrible. count load reload. Saint Anger well, or Death Magnetic. But. I, I, I think I think the the, the what worst about they had to offer was SNM was okay because I think uh-huh. they did it well. It was classy. The, you know, if you if yeah. you do fusion well enough, that you really can't balk at it. I mean, it may not be for everyday listening, but it's like okay, well that's that's a one way of taking it. SNM came from so when they did Unforgiven, the song Unforgiven on mm-hmm. the Black album or Metallica, which there was actually orchestra. So they sent it to this guy, and I can't remember his name to do it, and he sent it back, and never heard anything back from them. And then they were at a Grammy show and he came back. They, they had been awarded a Grammy for, I don't remember what song or whatever it was, but best metal performance or something like that. And so he comes backstage and meets with them. And for the first time, and he's like, yeah, I didn't really, you know, I just, I'm the guy that did the orchestration for unforgiven. And they're like, Oh my God, we love that. You know, it's so great. And he's like, you know, they, in the mix of the song of the, of the actual, like what, what came out on the album, it was mixed down a little bit lower because of course they're metal heads and you can't have orchestration in there. Though if you talk to Glenn Danzig, who actually has a full classical album, which is pretty good, he would argue. But anyway, so uh, <laughs> he meets them and they rave about loving it. And actually they pulled this disc out of one of their bags and it was like, they call it the elevator version of this song. And it's just James's vocals, the orchestration and like one guitar. Right. So it's never been released anywhere that I know of. And they played it for him and they're like, we love this. And he kind of offhand mentioned, you guys should do a full show with an orchestra. And they're like, yeah, yeah, cool. You know, maybe we'll do that. So eight years, <laughs> eight years later, it took eight years. He goes, yeah, eight years later, I get a call from fully them. Happened, yeah. They that fully realized it. And he's like, you know, they want to do that show. And he's like, what show? The, the, you know, the, the, the orchestra. And he's like, what? From eight years ago? You know? <laughs> so it's really funny to hear him tell that story because he awesome. thought that they just hate it. So anyway, I can't remember what we were talking about. But now that we're talking about Metallica <laughs> and we're talking about our, you know, our love or hate of St. Anger. St. Anger was garbage. Um, <laughs> so did, hate of St. Right. Anger. Yeah. At least they, in this corner. Right. Uh, I liked two songs off of it. Um, but uh, so when they wrote St. Anger, they also filmed a documentary called Some Kind of Monster. I don't know if, I mean, it's a documentary. It's about a metal band, but 
it's probably one of the most painful movies I've ever had to watch <laughs> because painful isn't not entertaining or painful, painful isn't just like just watching you. your heroes. You so know. it was, it was really demystifying. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a scene in the, in the movie where they're writing a song and it's, you know, when you're in the flow of writing a song, it's very emotional to be there, you know, especially not like in a sort of like you're tearing up and, but I mean, you know, you're, you're just, there's this energy that you have when you're writing a song, if it's good and it's going well, you know, you don't want to leave and stop writing the song. You want to continue writing the song. And James Hetfield stops because it's four o'clock and his counselor says, you know, his, his, his psychologist says, you, you can't work me on four o'clock. And the rest of the guys in their band, it's almost like watching little kids going, Oh, come on, can you come, can you come on? Let James come out and play. And, you know, he's like, no, I, I, I got to leave. I can only work from, you know, X o'clock to X o'clock. And it's like, you see them for who they are as people and you lose who they were in your head as the ideas, that, you know, sort of the, the idea of that person that you, that you, you thought they were. Right. Sure. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's watching your heroes get old and turn into old men and living their lives and go to bed early and, and go to bed early. You know, right? Be so careful. Drink and, their Metamucil. And- exactly, <laughs> exactly. So it was tough to watch. And also you just realized that you almost don't want to know about the people that make the music sometimes because it makes it less desirable. And sometimes yeah, it makes it more desirable. I've came to that opinion a long time ago in reference to, to actors, any kind of media. If somebody makes some kind of media and I like it and I like what they do and I like their work, I don't want to know. Anything about their oh, personal yeah. lives. Mel Gibson. Yeah, I guess, for, yeah exactly. Perfect Perfect Tom Cruise. Yes, I don't want or to think know about the freak out in yeah. music. The behind the music things that VH1 used to do, which was all about the dark side of the band. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah, it's really kind of destructive to. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I, yeah. I just don't want to know anything about any of their personal lives because, to be completely honest, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. You know, what I'm going to interact with that they have to offer is going to be their work, not their personal lives. I don't. Y- You'd have to be tuned into some kind of crazy, stupid, voyeuristic e Hollywood, true Hollywood garbage to be able to even know about it. You know, it's yeah. like, well, like legitimately. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like it's like well, I don't need to know that. I don't want to know that. I just want to be able to enjoy what they're doing, and you know, I can have my little fantasy about who they are because yeah. it doesn't really matter. Well, I think the most people that are fans or true fans <laughs> of any one particular person are always hoping that learning more about that person will mean that they jive with them a bit better. Sure. You know, they're like, wow, yeah. they're just like me. They're, they're understand the characters. Yeah. Or, or, or get a, get a feeling for like what their inspiration. You is. like the idea yeah. of, of somebody who's really kind of an embodiment of something that's important to you being a cool person. Right. You want to yeah. share the same values, right? That's yeah. really, really, really what it comes down to is I yeah. want to have and the same values with yeah, my you heroes. You really don't want to find out that Clint Eastwood is a misogynist. Yeah. That just all around awful person. Right. right. I like yeah. how he talked to the chair. <laughs> oh, can we please not get political? This is a geek this isn't podcast. political. This is about a man losing his mind. Okay, <laughs> that's and true. So you had one more you wanted. So one more, and <laughs> yeah. I think probably the best metal movie I've ever seen is called Metal: A Headbanger's Journey, and uh, it's about this guy. His name is Sam Dunn, and he's like a grad student, and he basically does his dissertation on metal, the general, interesting, you know, the, the the culture, and he goes and he talks to all of these great musicians and. You know, it's just him traveling all over the world, to all these various things and, and talking about the culture of metal, you know, talking about, again, things that I brought up sort of, you know, our uniform and well, the, the clothes we wear and the language we speak. And he talks to all these various bands and stuff, the people that he loves. And he really portrays it in a much more intellectual way. And that was really great. I highly recommend it. Even if you're not a fan of metal, it's still a great movie. Awesome. 
What was it? What was it called again? More time. Metal: A Headbanger's Journey. Okay, and we will of course put this list and maybe a couple extra movies that aren't on this list for anybody that's just looking for a, a good playlist of excellent metal movies in the show notes at podcast.panamega.com. You'll be able to find this list in its completeness and then some, hopefully. And then, um, real quick before we stopped, I thought that you know, even though it's 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 movies a subject, I thought it would be kind of fun to suggest a couple of television shows. I know we're talking mostly about movies, but I thought that it'd be fun to recommend a couple of things. I mean, these are a little bit more on the silly side. Well, one of them, I think, is probably one of the most metal pieces of fiction ever, which would be Supernatural. That show is so f***ing metal, is it? (laughs) Oh, my God. They drive around in Impala blasting metal music and killing monsters. That's the the show. Why haven't I heard of this show It's the best show in life. Well, that's like the first five seasons, though. Yes. Where can I find I this? It's Netflix. all it's all Wizardry. on Netflix, dude. It's oh, perfect. All, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, but yeah. So, like, obviously, first one I want to talk about. It's supernatural. I mean, it's amazing. These guys they drive around in this like slick black Impala. They're monster hunters. Their dad, like, their mother was murdered by this demon when they were little, and it's like the dad got this vendetta against supernatural stuff in general, and like grew up taking them from crazy dive hotel to hotel like chasing all these kind of nightmare monsters and the best the best part of the show beyond the fact that it's i would i would assert really fucking metal is that they actually do like a lot of really really good research into the mythology and the traditions and the the folk stories about all this different supernatural stuff they take a little bit of liberties a lot of liberties in some cases to make kind of an interesting story, but at the end of the day, they like do a really good job with the supernatural stuff. It's really interesting. It's really entertaining. And all the, the relation names are song titles. Yeah, and it's Ooh. just it's just really snarky well, every time they introduce themselves because they're always having all these fake personalities that they'll do. They'll get into a town. They'll have this like some kind of cheap suit, and they'll be like, "Hey, I'm from the FBI, and my name is." And they'll like pick two names from people from a band or something nice. like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's Ron like Walter, yeah. yeah, it's it's just hilarious. I can't believe I've never heard of this. Oh, before. dude, this, you're gonna love this show. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. It, it has a little bit of a camp factor, but once you get over that, it's it's, it's just yeah. easy. Most of the titles are named after songs, but there are some other great titles. Like there was a Magicians episode, and the title of the episode was "Chris Angel is a Douchebag." <laughs> I don't think it's because, because he is. It's so, it's so good. It's such a good show. Such a good show. So there's that one. And then the other one, I think I don't want to have the eighth Henry talk to you guys a little bit. I met, I found this on Netflix and watched a bunch of episodes of it and then immediately texted the admin and was like, make him watch this. <laughs> and so I didn't hear back from him about it for a while. And the next time I saw him, he's like, oh my God, thank you so much for showing me that show. So, so what is this show? It's called... The full title is Todd, the Metal God, and the Book of Pure Evil. And it is about, it's, it's about this town of Satanists who have, have possession of this Crowleyan Book of Pure Evil. And the town is called Crowley, Crowley. of course. And, you know, their emblem, the, the school's emblem is a goat, you know. Crowley High. Crowley High. It's, and it's all of these, like, imagine if everything occult and, and metal and just, just blood and guts and gore could happen as you walk down the street and aside from the panic of oh god the monster's coming after us it's like and you know in other news it, like people just kind of like, <laughs> people get really sh- like cavalier and nonchalant about the whole thing well there's a retirement home of nothing but satanists it, every, because satanists found the town oh, all that the old people everyone's grandma everyone's grandma <laughs> they have like full on like tattoos on their hands oh yeah no the yeah, whole deal it, the basic feel of the show is very Buffy the Vampire Slayer because 
essentially it's like creature of the week, you know, a freak of the week. It's like this book has like a mind of its own. It can like fly around and transform into different stuff. <laughs> and you know, at times, so basically oh, yeah. it finds people who are depressed and in need of uplifting and willing to make a bargain basically. You know, teenagers. And so the, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, and so the book basically floats around the school, appears in front of some kid who's having a hard time with something and then frrr, opens up to this one page and they see this and, and it's made, it's made out of like humans. Human skin. Hin- yeah. yeah human it's skin. like, it's, it's your yeah. standard necronomic fair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and and it flips open to the page and it has a couple pictures kind of vaguely describing their problem and how to fix it and they just read the passage and, it and inevitably it like transforms like in the very first episode Todd gets it and he wants to be a really good guitarist and he's just not a very good guitarist and he wants to be like the most ultimate ultimate badass metal guitarist ever and the thing turns into this epic guitar and then he has a guitar battle with this guy and he makes him like bleed out of his eyes nose ears and ass yeah because <laughs> he just rocks them so hard I think it's important to mention that this TV show was produced in Canada, so they didn't have to edit it for their special audiences. Uh. So there is just so much random not American approved stuff that shows up. And oh it's yeah. No. Wonderful. And, and then it's I would say like and, and hands down one of the biggest pieces of the pie that is great about this show is Jason Mews. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Jason Mews plays the janitor. He and he is he lives, he's, he lives in the school. He's always macking on chicks like in the janitor room. <laughs> and and he has all these hilarious lines because he's the guy that has to clean up all of the blood yeah. that ends up at the school. All the blood, all the dead bodies, all the carnage that yeah, they constantly don't. Happening at this school, he's the fucking guy. He has to clean it up. One of my favorite scenes in the whole show, and I think it's maybe maybe four episodes in or something like that. Early on, right? The beginning of the episode, after they've already sort of established this trend of somebody's having trouble, the book finds them, they chant, you know, lots, right? So they don't do all the big build up anymore, and 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 it's got this kid who's hiding in this closet at the school reading the book. It's actually, it's actually his office. It's well, office. yeah, it's it's the janitor's office, right? But it's like it's dark; you can't really tell what's going on. It looks like some kind of broom closet thing. And sure enough, a door opens and light shines on the kid's back. And Jason Mewes comes in and he looks over the kid's shoulder and he goes, "Oh, don't, don't read. Oh, you already, you already read that, didn't you?" And the kid goes, "Yeah, kinda." And he goes, "Can you hand me my blood mop? I'm gonna need it later." <laughs> <laughs> nice. it's, it's such a it's such a well done show. It's also pretty campy and cheesy, but it's, it's campy and it's cheesy, so but it, great. It's got a, like a, a direction with it. It's not like campy for camp's sake. It like right. almost none of it is just garbage. You know what I mean? Like it, it all kind of loops back into itself. When I was trying to describe this to a friend of mine, I was kind of alluding back to the old Nickelodeon shows like Pete and Pete, and it's <laughs> right. like it's the Nickelodeon show that we really wanted to see yes. when we yes. were kids. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think the only thing that shares a similar feel to it is the show called Reaper. Mm. Oh yeah, I've seen a little bit. Of yeah, that. which ba- basically this kid is is I don't want to give away story plot points, but he basically ends up getting roped into being a reaper. And so what he does is when souls escape from hell back into the human realm, he has to capture them and deposit them at the nearest hell portal where the veil between hell and reality is thinnest. And so, of course, he goes to the DMV to dump them off. <laughs> yeah, that's where I would go. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, that's, that? that's that. Actually, it's kind of, you could argue that that show is pretty metal also, I guess. I mean, it's it's not as, as blatantly, ridiculously metal like Todd the Metal God. Like, Todd I, has a sword Yeah, he gets in a sword. high school. It's he awesome. names it Sand Dragon. And it, it, <laughs> and he and his friend are constantly getting stoned, and it's just it's a very funny show. I mean, it's you know it it definitely leans pretty heavy on some of the 
unsavory jokes and, and stuff. And well, you had me at Muse. So. Right, right? <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, he's hilarious. And so anyway, all of, all of the things we've been talking about, all very much on Netflix. I mean, I mean, well, I've got one, and I can't really speak about it because I've only seen a couple of episodes. Okay. The Adult Swim cartoon, Metalocalypse. Oh, oh, yeah. oh my oh, God. God. Yes, of that course. I don't know how that slipped our That's mind. probably the yeah. single yeah. most metal because thing ever. Because it is ever. metal. I love that yeah. <laughs> they, they, do such, they actually referenced an obscure like a uh, Finnish metal band that I like in one of their episodes. They, they, it's like they named the metal superstore Fintroll, yeah. oh, which Fintroll. is what the name of one of their albums. It was just badass. It's That's like, amazing. Oh, they get it. These, these guys, the, the, I, I, get one it. of my favorite episodes is the Lake Troll episode. Oh my God. Muta Krakis, Muta Krakis. Idea for a song. For me, it's by a troll. Awaken, Awaken. Banana stickers. <laughs> which one? The banana stickers. Oh, I love Yes. <laughs> The blues so you episode can't, is can't also, go wrong with that yeah. show. That show's the best. Mashed potato oh games. my god, <laughs> uh, so good. Well, I, I think I think that about wraps it up. We've had had a lot of fun talking about metal stuff, and thank mm-hmm. you for staying with us for the double wide episode of <laughs> Geek Life. If it's metal, it's got to be double wide. So metal yeah. wouldn't fit into one episode. Damn no. straight. Yeah, well, you, can, you cannot contain the metal. That's you got to right. be careful with all those spikes. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you, thank you so much for out. coming on. Yeah, that was great. awesome. I yes, will definitely. Please do. You likes video games, right? I do. <laughs> I think I can speak for everybody in that we would love to have you back. Absolutely. I would love to yeah, come back. Yeah, be fun. We just have a bunch of fun. Now, quickly plug your site and your podcast. Yeah, right, yeah. So, ask a metalhead. Askametalhead.com. It's me and my kids, my daughter and my son. We've got 10 episodes right now. We haven't recorded in a couple months, but we're going to come back pretty quick here. And the whole point of it is we just talk about the music that we love and we'll play little snippets of it. And we talk about the shows that we've gone to and we've answered questions in the past in the hopes that our listeners will submit questions to us to answer questions about anything, music, Probably not math, but you know, <laughs> what is the anything. most metal number? Yeah, I don't know. Well, six six six. Yeah, that is the, that is the answer. Don't ask me if it's a prime. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> it's not. So yeah, um, yeah. So, so check us out, and uh, yeah, and of course we'll have a link to this in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, and we'll uh, reciprocate as well. So. Awesome. Very cool. Ooh. Well, thanks for listening to Geek Life. We always love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at geeklife at pandamanga.com with your questions, comments, and insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor, visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and complete the form located there. Music has been provided by AirPlus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs featured on this episode are available in the show's notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. You can find us on Twitter at IndieComics, the number four, all. You can find us on Tumblr at pandamanga.tumblr.com and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash pandamanga comics. This is the admin, and we'll see you next time.
If you'd like him. All right. That's how I read it. If you'd like. You fucking troll. Awaken. Awaken. All right. Let's see if I can get this one. Yeah, 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 yeah